This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 642 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, Horse Report System, and TotalSaddleFit.com. On today's USDF episode, we will be joined by Fee Anderson, who discusses training young horses. We'll then be introduced to our new sponsor, Horse Report Systems. After that, Lahua Custer, who talks about her experience coaching at the Paralympics. And to finish up, Fee joins us for a trainer tip. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you this week? Uh, well, Reese, I have to update you on the weather conditions up here in Canada. <laughs> and as you can probably can probably predict, we had snow. So oh, God. I, I mean, yeah. like I said, it was 24 degrees here in Lexington this morning. Um so I am hoping that we get it out of our systems this week because the largest regional championship is coming to Kentucky next week. So this is what I've heard. This was on Facebook. So next week is the largest U.S. dressage finals ever. There's the first youth division, which is training through fourth level. It's the first time they're using the Rolex arena. So this is going to be interesting because let me tell you, it's, it's a pretty far walk from the stadium, from the new arena, the Alltech arena to the stadium. It's, it's a decent walk. So it sounds like they have 16 judges that are flying in for next week. So, um, 16, it, it's 16 judges, it's going to be a big, big one. So Phil, like we had talked about, Cause people are coming to Lexington and, um, you know, I was born and raised here in Lexington. So first of all, if I, you're at the U S finals and you hear my voice, you'll probably give me that look and I, and, and please say hello and, and track me down. Cause I always love, uh, talking to listeners and, and hearing your guys' story. And unless you're on a person. horse, unless yeah. you're on a horse. Yep. Looking big Mike is, yeah. If I'm on big Mike, um, maybe not the time or I, I have five horses going, or so. So, uh, but it'll be fun. I, I actually show an open intermediate one on Thursday and then big Mike's doing the U S finals for intermediate one on Friday. So I'm really looking forward to that. He's knock on wood. I'm, I'm knocking right now. Um, it's been really fun. It's been fun to get him ready. And, and he actually has, you know, I just kind of gave him a little time off of regionals, but again, we, we haven't had to travel because our regionals were here at and um, the horse park's about 10 minutes from my farm. So my guys haven't had to travel so much this summer or this fall. They travel a lot this summer. Uh, so it's been nice. So, um, yeah, so we'll head over on Thursday because he's been to the horse park quite a bit. And, um, yeah, so we're just going to spend one night there. But people that are coming to Lexington, I just, you know, a couple things. I do not think Keeneland will be racing during the finals, but it's a really fun place to go. If you're looking doing, for a place, they'll still go. be doing work, 
morning workouts. Yep. Yeah. They'll be do, do, doing morning workouts. Yeah. Uh, get, there at, also, get there at six and, uh, yeah. and watch, watch the, the, watch the horses run. That's really, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. It's really fun. And then they have the track kitchen there. It's really good for breakfast. Uh, not healthy, but really good for breakfast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be Kentucky breakfast. Uh, there are also a lot of thoroughbred farm tours. If you can jump on one of those tours and they'll have some really good, um, information at the Kentucky horse park on some of those tours. They're really, really cool. I love to go on them and they're great. Any bourbon tour. So Kentucky's on the bourbon trail. Phil, what's your favorite place to go? Um, Woodford Reserve well, think, is beautiful. Uh, yeah, Wood Woodford is beautiful and it's pretty close. So th- mm-hmm. I think that would be my recommendation. And 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 the bur- the bourbon is good. So yeah, yeah, I think that's that's top pick. Yep. We um, also have a ton of breweries. If you're we're really good at alcoholic beverages here in Kentucky. <laughs> uh, great breweries. If you're in Georgetown, which is really close to the horse show, actually close to the horse show, it's called Country Boy Brewery in Georgetown. There's also one in Lexington that's really fun uh, to go to. There are a couple bur- you know, just brewery and distilleries downtown that are super fun. The distillery district is a new place in Lexington that's really fun to go to. So we what know else? Reese likes horses and liquor. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. She's a she's a Kentucky girl through and through. Yeah, like, it's true. I like good food. Um, and so we actually have quite a few really good restaurants. I'm afraid to tell everyone where to go because then I won't be able to get a reservation. What about Doodles? <laughs> um, but- Doodles is my favorite. Doodles is great. So Doodles is a place for breakfast. Um, yeah. and it's downtown. Oh, it's I'm, delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then, goodness, there's oh, I'm, I, there's so many places. Midway, Kentucky is really a fun place to go. If you're kind of have an afternoon, it's not super far from the horse park, um, and you want a couple like really cool local shops that are pretty equestrian, Midway is a great place to go, and there's several nice restaurants there. And then um, Georgetown, the, that's the town I live in, has a really cute place to go. It's just a cute little downtown with several places to go eat. Uh, which is really fun. So you really can't go wrong. And a lot of those places are really close. I, I, you know, obviously Louisville is about an hour and a half from Lexington, an hour, um, depending on where you're going um, in Lexington. Cincinnati is also close, but we have some really fun things um, to do in Lexington. Downtown Lexington is also fun to go to. I would just heads up if there's a Kentucky basketball game. I'm not sure what the schedule is next week. Um, that kind of dampers your plans downtown if you or want to go downtown. Yeah, it's you kind can't of park busy. anywhere or can't park anywhere. go anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, check the don't, check don't. the the university basketball situation. It's true. It's true. You got to. <laughs> it's you can't. You can't. Philip knows. Like we tried to go to dinner once. We're like, let's just get pizza and go back home. Um, yeah. So that's super fun to do. So I hope that's a few ideas. You're always welcome to send me an email, Reese at horseradionetwork.com. I will try to get back to you uh, with some fun places, but um, I hope you enjoy our town. It's a great time to be in Kentucky. Fall is really fun. And we also have football going on. There's lots of fun stuff going on right now. So we hope you uh, enjoy your time while you're here in Lexington and the the weather stays nice. It's supposed to be, it's quite cold this week and next week's not supposed to be too bad. So fingers crossed that it's not bad. So, but I'm looking forward to everyone coming. It should be a really good week. All right. Well, in the meantime, you know, good luck to everybody who is who is uh, heading up for the, the national. So we are not going to be doing a show next week because 
Reese will be super busy, but yeah, there's uh, a few things going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff going on for her. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna be back the following week with with the remaining episodes for for this month. It's kind of a busy month yeah. with with uh, you know American Thanksgiving happening and and whatever, and we're right around the corner from Christmas. So yeah. Oh my God. I know it'll be fine. It'll be good. Next week we'll take a deep breath and and we hope you guys enjoy. Uh, we'll put some episodes up and it'll be good. Uh, but we look forward to it. So we're gonna have a couple commercial breaks and uh, come back with Fee Anderson. He was her first love, the one that started it all. He taught her how to master the posting trot and navigate her first hunter course. They spent hours together exploring the trails and hanging out in the barn. His name was doodled on every page in her school notebook. His coat gleamed in the sun as he met her at the gate each day, snuffling for a treat. From the first time she saw him poking his head out of the stall to the last time she patted him goodbye, he was, and always will be, her everything. This love story is brought to you by Nalox Advanced providing complete support for a healthy digestive tract, which reduces the risk of colic and digestive upset. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline, At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight I am very excited to have my friend Fee Anderson on the show. Fee and I serve on a USCF committee together and we have become friends over the year. Fee, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Fee, you and I were to be here. Yeah, we were on a conference call this week. We've been on uh, lots of rule changes, which is is good to say that Fee's on the line as well. There's lots of rule changes that are going to go into effect December first. So be sure to take a look at those because they're, they're coming out. Uh, but we were, we were chatting after our call and I, and I was telling you about the new three-year-old horse that, that I just got. And, and we were talking about how in Europe, the expectations for three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds is a little bit different than the expectation here in North America. So could, if you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and how you came to America, and then we'll get into our discussion. Yeah, so I grew up in Denmark and have been riding them my entire life. Came over here in 2000, 2001, I think. I, I wanted to change gears. I just finished a bachelor's in, in human nutrition in Denmark, and, and I knew that that was not the direction I wanted to take my life. So came over here, went to school for equine management and um, did a minor in business, Uh, brought my horse with me and the rest is history. I've been riding dressage over here, started my own business, train horses, teach riders and just loving being a part of the community over here. So so you brought a lot of um, a lot of European knowledge over to America. And that's what, 20, 21 years ago, 20 years ago or so. 
Um, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, but but obviously, you know, over the years, I think we can acknowledge that um, the the riding and the horsemanship and and all of the all of those things around uh, sport horses, especially, has been improving within America, North America. But I think there's still a little bit of a disconnect between you know this is just me speaking from personal experience and uh, a disconnect in backing horses getting them started in their career and and then you know what's the expectations um we can talk about you know dressage horses what's the expectation for uh, a dressage horse you know in in their training and and uh you know for for you know three years old and and, and four years old so maybe you can ad- address that question a little bit for me well, you know, I think things just move along a little faster um, back home. Um, I, the experience I have with backing horses in in Europe with my old trainer, we would we would get them going pretty quickly, and we would expect them to be fairly well behaved. I mean, you might lunge them before, but you'd expect them to accept contact. You'd you expect them to go forward from the leg, and slow down when you ask them to. You'd expect them to be on the bed, and I I think over here. Riders might not be quite as educated in how to bring young horses along and how much pressure to put on without doing too much. And, it, you know, I think a lot of people here, they, they baby the horses a little too much and don't have uh, a clear vision of how much they want to accomplish within the first couple of months. Um, and in, in Europe, we, I mean, there's a lot more horses per capita and a lot more riders that, that are used to bringing along young, youngsters. So there's a pipeline that I think we are still behind on over here. Yeah. I still no, think I... that we, we have a lack of riders that are brave enough and good enough to bring those youngsters along at, at, a, at the right timeline. Yeah, no, I would completely agree because I think having someone that is really competent with young horses and is able... You know, you kind of think about it too, like a, a nice kindergarten teacher, you know, a good kindergarten. I remember my kindergarten teacher. I loved her, but there was clear structure in our day and there was clear time for fun and there was clear time for work. And, um, all that expectation was laid out really well. And, um, you know, I'm sure we were naughty in times cause you're in kindergarten and you do things you're not supposed to. And I remember our teacher always being very kind with, with putting us sort of back in line or, or whatever it may be. And, and I think it's a great way to think of like a three-year-old, you know, they're in kindergarten. You still have to get up every day. You have to go to school. You have to be on time. You know, you're learning all of these, these techniques, right. And having someone that understands that, I think that's really important because they don't really have cowboys in Europe, right? Like the horses go right to a rider that is going to educate them in dressage. Correct. Right. And you actually, you're making a, a super point right there. Um, I, I think that some of the cowboys that I used over here are not familiar enough with what we need to develop in a dressage horse. So if you send a three-year-old that's ready to be back to the cowboy and they have an expectation of the horse going in a very low frame, not necessarily stretching into the contact, but a low frame without weight on the bed, that's what he wants from the horse. That's what he trains it for. When you get your horse home, it's going to be a little tricky teaching the horse that, no, I want you to go to the contact, put weight on the bed, and, and let me have a good feel of your mouth, right? If if they learn that that's not good when they're back, 
that then needs to be corrected. And it's much easier teaching it right the first time rather than send the horse into a backing program where where it's not really being developed for dressage or taught how its future expectations will be. So I think yeah, I mean you're you're almost it. you're almost having to reteach the horse, right? And I've had experiences exactly. where, with horses who, you know, um, don't like the contact or you know want to hang out a little bit behind the bit. I mean that's that's one of the trickiest things throughout their entire career to fix. Absolutely. So you know the the more that you can educate the horse correctly from the beginning, the less the less time you have to go back and and redo these things. And and I think in some ways. Um, that's where we get a little bit behind because, you know, the horse gets backed. Okay. It's, it, it accepts a rider, right. But it doesn't accept the way that we want to train it. So now four years old comes around and, and, and then you're, you know, you're, you're working on these things. And, you know, I, I think, you know, what you said about having, um, you know, a a kind, but brave rider, who's going to kind of push through the problems or start working on the training, uh, almost, almost right away. And then, the other part of it is is providing this horse with, uh, you know, at three years old, providing this horse with experiences off the property because eventually you're going to want to show it, right? So, uh, right. you know, the other part of the problem is that we we train over here. We kind of train our three year olds, you know, and and we keep them away from the horse shows because you know because of bravery issues or perhaps we just don't have enough uh, small shows or you know. Uh, um, yeah, small shows that you can take a young horse to, you know, that are inexpensive and, you know, and that they're still safe and the footing is good and all. And all. I know I struggle with this is because we have such a short show season in Canada. And normally by the time, you know, I, I want uh, to take the, the young horses out, it's like it's probably October, August or, or September and maybe even a little bit later, depending on the horse. And then there's nothing to go to. And now and now this is a problem. So you know, in your, in your training program for a young horse, I think you have to be, you know, always a little bit starting early so you can hit at least one or two shows or, or, you know, figure out what you want to go to, even if it's just taking this horse to another farm, you have to make time in your program to do that and to plan that out. Absolutely. And I, I will say, I mean, on, on this side of the, of um, North America, we are lucky. We have a really good breed show series uh, USDF have they've done a, a really good job of developing that, where you have under saddle classes, you have in hand classes, you have the material classes that are very suitable for young horses going out the first time. The expectations are very limited. The horse needs to go forward, be fairly on the eight steer, all right. Uh, but if they misbehave a little bit when they're going around in their group class, it's not a big deal. The judge will judge the best of the gates and sort of ignore. Um, if there are um, uh, little incidents in the arena. So I think it's a very good venue, um, at least for the Americans, to get their youngsters out to show. And unfortunately, not that many people use this avenue to get the youngsters out and show them the world. Yeah, I think, I think though, some of them are hard to get to. Uh, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think in Europe, that's, that's maybe another thing that we struggle with. You know, again, I'm, I'm blessed to be here in Kentucky, right? So we, we do have a, a, a show circuit. Um, we don't have a lot of the breeding, uh, shows. We have, I think one breeding show in the area, um, versus in, in Europe, right? They, they have shows for three and four year olds. 
Am I right? Because um, you can take them out and they're in a group. So they're maybe a little more readily available just because of the size of the countries is smaller. Am I, am I right? Right. Yeah. The saturation of horses and shows are much greater in in Europe, generally speaking than here. Um, And what I would say is if, if there is enough people in a, in a location over here and they're having a dressage show coming up, all they need to do is ask their show manager or show secretary if they could please add material classes to the uh, price list. And, of course, they will have to go to USDF, probably USEF, and get their price list amended. Um, but it is possible. I've, I've done it in the past because I had a youngster. I felt needed to go out and go in a group class. Um, and the show manager was very kind and, and added the class for me. Um, so I would encourage people with young horses coming up to consider that if they want to get their horse out, but they're not ready for the training level class, then the, the material class could be a good avenue. Yeah. And then, and, then, and then the only other thing I'd like to just kind of add is, you know, it's popular, uh, at least up here to, you know, to buy a, a younger horse. Um, you know, what's, you know, what's available for people's budget you know, they say, oh, well, you know, I can't really afford a five-year-old who's going and, you know, and, and then so they end up buying an unbacked horse or, you know, a weanling or, or whatever. And I think your budget has to include at least two years of training and depending on, you know, what level rider you are. But, but you know, people who are, are backing horses and do it as a specialty and, and there's lots of great ones, but, but it's not for your average rider. Right. And and it may not, you know, you may not have to budget for, you know, your your team rider to be training your horse, but you need somebody who's really good and has experience in in starting young horses and experience in taking them to shows and, and all of this. So, you know, research that before you go out and buy a horse that you say, okay, at this point I'm gonna need to to spend some money. You know, because getting getting it started right, it's just it's just so in, incredibly important to having a great experience with a horse in general. And, uh, you know, cause, cause it, going wrong and, and then having to go back and spend, you know, it, you know, if you had budgeted a year's worth of training, well, if it, if it's not done right, you're going to have to spend three, three more years training, figuring out, you know, what went wrong or, you know, whatever. So I just think that's, that's important for, for people who are interested in buying a young horse, you know, how, how to get it done right and, and, and what the budget is for that. Absolutely agreed. Um, I think people forget that there's a reason why a, a well-backed four or five or six-year-old costs what they cost. It, it takes time to develop a horse and it takes skill. It's, it's specialized. Um, and if, if somebody wants to back their own horse and bring it along, I, I applaud that. But I would really encourage people to make sure that they have enough money in their budget to work with a really good trainer so that they don't accidentally end up down the wrong path and then have to spend even more money and time retraining issues with the horse. Um, I mean, it's like it's with everything else. You, you, you have to pay for what you want. So it, it's, it's a shame when you see a nice, talented youngster under a rider that, that needs help that can't get that help. That is such a shame. I mean, we, we breed great horses over here. We are, we are catching up on Europe. We still need the riders to to learn how to train these youngsters. So I think yeah. your point is very valid. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think that, that people should. Yeah, I was just going to say that people should value the correct training 
almost more than uh, a horse with 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 great gates because if if the training isn't right, those gates are never gonna never gonna be able to get into a, a horse show ring. Exactly, that is exactly the point. Well, and I think a, a good thing to remember too, and and I have to be perfectly honest. I I just bought this three year old, super excited. I don't really ride three year olds very often. I'm not gonna lie, never really have. Um, I I can do it, of course, uh, but I have a very good qualified assistant that she loves young horses and she's really good at it. And I have no problem saying, you know, that's not really my skill set or it's not. I mean, I haven't ridden a three-year-old in a long time and um, she's doing a wonderful job and I'm happy to support her because I think it's that skill is so needed here. So I, where I'm going with this, it's okay to say, well, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ride that my three-year-old horse for a little bit until actually he was so good today. I was itching to get on, but that's a good thing. Right. And, um, but the point is there are good people and we need to support them and their careers because we really need riders that are able to do that. So, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but it, it is fun to watch somebody that's really good with young horses and gives them confidence. Uh, that's pretty cool. So uh, that's no, what right. I chose I think to do. Right. And I think that that's, that's awesome. You, you have somebody that's talented and, and comfortable and enjoys it. And the horses, they, I, I really believe that horses feel intense. So if you have to swallow three times before you get on the youngster because you're nervous, well, guess what? They know that they feel that then they start worrying. So I think it's imperative to have a rider that, that likes it, that has fun with it and that can handle all spunk and then have a, a really good qualified helper on the ground so that little things get caught early on and, and gets corrected. I think you're in a great setup with your, with your three-year-old. The way you're doing this is great. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think it's a good way to do it. Well, Fee, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show and talking with us and giving us your expertise with youngsters. How can our listeners find you online? Well, um, I spend a little time on Facebook um, and I'm, <laughs> I might just have gotten myself a TikTok channel. I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> it might have something to do with my nieces and nephews in Denmark. <laughs> But yeah, TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Facebook under Equito Dressage. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. We're the Healthy Critters Crew. I'm Tigger. I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen. If you're a horse lover, dog lover, cat lover, llama lover, chicken lover, parrot lover, paw and hooves and feathers lover, Healthy Critters is for you. We have fascinating guests, nutrition tips, information on various critters, and the only talking Pomeranian dog on the radio. Hello, everyone. Join us for our bi-monthly laughter-filled romps on HRN. Brought to you by Biostar US. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Ann Millman. She is the founder of HorseReportSystem.com. Welcome, Ann, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, Ann, start telling us a little bit about yourself and how how did you decide to create this app? Yeah, so um, I was a number of years ago back, um, I mean, like late 80s, early 90s, I was a a dressage and and event uh, working student. And um, I worked with uh, Sharon and Grant Schneidman for a number of years. Uh, And then just when Hilltop was starting, I went to work with uh, Scott Hassler. 
um, and I uh, ended up spending most of my college years up there during the summers working. Um, his mother, Jill, ran uh, an advanced young rider clinic or sort of summer camp. So I was a camp counselor for several years and um, rode sort of whatever was up there at Hilltop. Um, and so Scott and his wife, Suzanne, uh, became close friends. And uh, my professional life took a turn very much away from horses, but I still kept in touch with a lot of my riding friends and did some uh, some uh, writing for some of the, the horse magazines like Dressage Today and, and uh, Practical Horsemen, just sort of fun freelance stuff. So when um, Hilltop Farm and Harmony Sport Horses decided to have the first of the Young Dressage Horse Trainer Symposia, Suzanne called me and asked me if I could come and and write up, you know, an an article for one of the magazines because they wanted it covered, but they wanted someone that they knew in case, you know, the wheels really came off the bus for somebody with a young horse. And Mm -hmm. so um, anyway, that's how I got to know sort of this whole new cadre of, you know, young horse trainers. And um, I remember meeting you, Reese, um, there. And uh, everybody knows, uh, is my coach and and a great friend of mine as well. So any friend of his is a friend of mine for sure. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, um, got to know some of the the riders. And um, so meanwhile, my professional life was in healthcare and I've spent the past 20 years really working in patient safety and medical error, understanding how teamwork and communication contributes to that. And so there was a you know, big move to electronic medical records so that the whole team was on the same page. And, you know, I realized in talking to people like Aaron Crawford, who became a good friend and, and others that People were still like, you know, at the end of the day, having, you know, phone calls with owners to tell them what the horse had done. And, you know, maybe some text messaging was starting back in the early 2000s. We didn't have, um, uh, you know, smartphones then. But it was just, you know, I just thought, I remember that from a working student. At the end of a long day, there's just this, you know, then all these phone calls from owners, like, what did the horse do? And did the farrier come? And blah, blah, blah. I thought, you know, this is really crazy. So um, that was really sort of sowed the seed for there has to be a better way to just communicate among the team. And also to really, instead of like paper calendars where you lose track of what's happened two months ago because it's hard to look that stuff up, why don't we have, you know, a, a better way of recording training progress and, and you know, health uh, issues, that sort of thing. So over the past, gosh, too many years, um, started out as a website. Uh, and then um, with the beginning of smartphones, we've moved more to a web app. Um, so the horse report system really came out of a lot of thinking about the best way to streamline communication and um, how to have all of that really important information um, about your horse or horses. Um, in the palm of your hand. And so I've been really fortunate to have people like Aaron Crawford, who's been kicking the tires uh, and, and now using it, and Suzanne Owen and a um, number of other uh, riders who've given great input. And so it's really, there are a number of other barn management systems um, on the market, but I really think of this as a horse management system. And uh, that's, I think, the the most important sort of differentiator. We have a, a really easy-to-use dashboard. All of your horses are listed there. You can All of their profiles contain the really important information the whole team needs to know. Um, you can upload photos and documents, et cetera. 
Um, and then everything that you enter as far as an activity is color-coded based on the type, if it's a health activity or therapy or work. And you can uh, have this comprehensive overview, really, of a horse's entire sort of life of his health, his training, a lot of uh, we call it horse report system because there's a lot of really easy functionality for searching um, by keywords. So, you know, when did you last change? You, know, you changed a bit a couple of months ago. No one can remember off the top of their heads when that was or oh, which foot had the abscess, you know, last year or whatever. Um, so uh, that's in a nutshell, that is what where horse report system came from, um, really to get teams on the same page. Um, so, uh, the the subscriber can invite any number of other people from grooms to therapists, um, barn managers, uh, everyone. So it has a little bit of a barn management flavor, a little bit of a, um, you know, training journal or log flavor. Um, Suzanne Owen actually is using it in an interesting way. She um, doesn't have horses of her own, but has students. She's invited them. Uh, and so they make notes on their own rides with their horses. And she sometimes rides their horses as well. Um, so when she goes to teach someone, she's already read through. She's, you know, sort of up to speed on what the horse has done over the past week. They don't spend the first 10 or 15 minutes, you know, going through, well, what have you done for two weeks? It's, it's a, you know, a real time saver. It's an efficiency um, to have that information, um, you know, that both the trainer and owners and riders are all on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great, and and uh, you know, I've kind of been doing doing my little research, you know, and 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 figuring out, you know, you know, what would be my spin on it, you know. But I th I think it it would be just super useful, not not from a barn manager perspective, but from an owner perspective. And and you kind of were talking about this and saying, you know, because there's just so many little health things. Or, mm -hmm. or, you know, like your farrier is there every six weeks and the farrier says, oh, you know, this foot or, you know, or, or this has a little thrush there. I mean, I would I would yep. certainly take the opportunity, you know, to, to make a note of that and write that down. So because a farrier also, you know, you can add them on and, they, you know, they, they don't have enough time or, or you know, to, to make personal notes. You know, they see what they see. They tell you because it's your responsibility to look after your horse. But the next time they come or even six months, you know, from from that moment, you can look back and say, oh, remember, remember, he was a little thrushy, you know, can, can, you know, what do you think about that? And then, you know, you're kind of keying in with your with your whole team about, you know, these things that, you know, they say and then they walk away or, or a vet was like, yeah, oh, you know, right. You know, doing doing your, you know, you can put in your yearly uh, vaccination records. You can I mean, there's just so much. Mm -hmm. You can put in and, and what I like, too, as well is um, just, uh, you know, you can upload uh, the horse's information like, you know, the, here's its registry number. Here's, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that kind of stuff is really useful to have where you are at the moment rather than being, you know, in a file folder in, in the office. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and the, you know, photos are, they're, you know, worth a thousand words. Right. So, you know, horse you comes in from the field with a big leg or a cut or whatever, it, take a photo, goes into his profile, a remote owner can log in and see it rather than the back and forth. Well, how does it look today? And is it healing? And, you know, not to, um, it, just to, to streamline the communication. And uh, that's the way people who 
have invited remote owners really like that ability. And I've heard from owners who are like this, I feel so connected. My horse is a thousand kilometers away at a trainer's, but I, I feel like I know what he's doing on a daily basis. So uh, that's really gratifying because I know I, I would want that. If I ever have a horse again, I would like to know, you know, what he's doing. So. Yeah. And so tell us about the tiered system on the app. So there are a number of tiers. Um, so and it's based on the number of horses. So for just a private, um, you know, amateur owner with just a few horses, um, there's a, what we call the limited tier. And the big difference there is up to three horses and um, you can't invite other team members. And that is the limited tier. And then uh, tier one, it's up to 10 horses. And then the different tiers just are up to 25 horses, 50 horses, or unlimited number of horses. Um, and with all of those tiers, you can invite an unlimited number of people. Uh, so barn manager, breeding managers, your assistant trainers, other trainers, as well as the stable staff like grooms and uh, um, working students uh, and therapists, um, also uh, business managers. So there's not a billing functionality in it, but um, it's so easy to run reports. You know, how many times did the horse have chiropractic or whatever last month? Um, or if you did a full body clip on the horse and you charge back to a client for that, very easy um, to run those reports. So that's why we had some requests that I would really love our business manager to be able to to get in here and run their own reports um, for billing. So those are all of the, and then of course, being able to invite an owner or an owner agent. And it is, um, there are different levels of access to what can be modified by um, the the different levels, if it's sort of the more professionals or stable staff or owners. Owners only have um, really uh, read-only access, so they can't change anything in there. They can just see what has been put in. Well, I, I like it. You know, I, I think I'm going to, you know, look more into it. You know, I don't have a big barn, but it's just really nice to you know, create records. And like you said, you know, whether it's an injury or it's just some information that you have a history, like you can look back on it. I think that's perhaps in my perspective, the the best function of it's just, you know, creating a quick record, whether it's in, like you said, you know, a horse comes in with a with a big leg or whatever, I can easily just jot that down. And, you know, and then, then there's a record of it and I can refer back to it. And, and, and the only, like you said, the owner can have access to it. So, I think that's a super part of this program. Yeah. And of course, inviting owners is totally optional. Some people are like, no, you know, that's not, I don't want to do that. We just use it amongst us in the, in the stable and that's fine too. Um, I would say that the, the other thing that is uh, really helpful is for conditioning as well, because, you know, it, it's, you can uh, add in, you know, pill work and, you know, set in, you can put in a whole program. Um, you can put things in, um, prospectively. So if you know you have certain fitness goals you need to meet with a horse, you can sort of put those all in and then um, know what's coming up during the week, put in competitions that are coming up, you know, sort of count backwards from those so you can, um, you know, hit milestones or goalposts or whatever. So from that perspective, it's it's a nice training log as well. Fantastic. So Anne, tell us how can we find you and find the app online? Super. Thanks. Yeah. It's um, horsereportsystem.com. It's a web app. So this is a website that um, runs on any device with a web browser. Um, So your phone, your tablet, or laptop. 
we're on Facebook and Instagram at Horse Report System. So we'd love you to follow us and um, and uh, send in uh, ideas. We're always adding adding new features and uh, love to hear from users. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for telling us about it and telling us your story. That was fantastic. Great. Thank you, Reese. Thank you, Philip. Get ready to turn heads with this beautifully styled, meticulously designed arena saddle crafted from European leather without sacrificing comfort for you or your horse. The classic elegance and unbeatable quality of arena saddles will take your seat to the next level in the dressage ring. Arena saddles are known for their beauty, comfort, and practicality. You can't deny these stylish saddles have eye appeal, but you might be wondering, what makes an arena saddle so comfortable? Features like ultra soft seats and knee inserts, a perfectly balanced seat, customizable rider support, and extra protective cushioning to give your horse softness and freedom that make arena saddles the premier choice for any discerning rider. Priced at just $1,599, the Arena Dressage Saddle is the saddle for you. Visit arenasaddles.com to view the full range of saddles available and find a retailer near you. Well, tonight we are really excited to have newly minted Olympic Paralympic coach, along with FEI rider and trainer, Luhua Kusser on the line. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, what a summer have you had, lady? Oh, no kidding. It's been a whirlwind, but very exciting, very fun, and I'm excited to to get to talk about it a little bit tonight. I know. So we wanted to talk about you and Kate Schumacher. You have been her coach, and you guys went to quarantine in Aachen, went to the Olympics in Tokyo. So maybe you can start to talk about how you and Kate started working together and kind of s- just start us on the whole process to get with you guys. Yeah, that sounds great. So I actually was, I, I live in Florida now, and I was a trainer in Los Angeles for many years, and Kate was in Arizona. And so we were occasionally at the same shows and would end up stabling near each other and waving hellos. And we both found ourselves in Wellington a couple of years ago. And I had a horse boarded at a little lovely barn in little ranches. And all of a sudden the empty farm next door had a bunch of buzz and I see a truck pull out and it has uh, Idaho license plates. And I knew that Kate had family in Idaho. And so I rolled down my window and I said, I think I know you. And we started chatting and she said, come and teach me tomorrow. And that was how that started. And it's been amazing ever since. So she um, is, as we know, a para rider. She's not the first that I've taught, but definitely the most accomplished. So it's been fun for me to be on the road with her learning how to be in the best para coach and best coach that, you know, in general that I can. And so it's been amazing to to go this far with her in the last few years and cap it off with the experience at the Paralympics in Tokyo. So yeah, that was kind of our meeting and we just kind of hit the ground running with her and Solly from, from there and, and with the goal of Tokyo. And of course now it took an extra year. So we were happy actually in a way to have that time to connect as a pair more, she and I, and also, you know, the three of us together. So that's kind of that part of that journey. That's uh, that's kind of neat. So in your opinion, you know, what makes this partnership between coach, rider, and horse all 
click enough that uh, that she was able to represent the U.S. Well, I think every partnership's a bit different. Uh, Kate is a very experienced and dynamic rider. She's a wonderful rider. She could probably do that as a profession, but she's already also a fantastic veterinarian. She does sport horse medicine and bringing all of that knowledge to the plate. It, it makes my job easy. I have to say in a way, (laughs) because we collaborate a lot more than me just barking orders at her. And it's a really fun process. I just, I can't wait to come, you know, teach her every day and I get to ask her questions too. So it's a really a fun uh, dynamic and I, I'm in, I'm in for it. I love learning as much as I love teaching. And so I feel like for the two of us, it becomes very collaborative and I am her eyes on the ground. And, you know, I, I, of course, coach her and give her information, but we give each other feedback as well. So it's a really nice kind of a, almost feels like colleagues talking. Um, it's great. I'm, I really enjoy it. It seems to work for us. It's different. You know, every partnership is different and that's kind of how we operate and a lot of mutual respect and, you know, a, we have fun. We also have a lot of fun. It it mm-hmm. it has to be fun. It's a stressful sport at times. So we make sure we have a whole lot of fun too. I love it. So what was kind of the qualifying period and then your time in Aachen like? Because that was really kind of an interesting and stressful journey to Aachen, staying there and then going to Tokyo. So tell us about that part of the journey. Sure. Well, qualifying is similar, I suppose, to in able-bodied in some ways. It's points and it's you know, looking into all of the factors that would make each team a viable member of the, you know, each horse and rider team a viable member of the Paralympic team. And when she was announced that she was on the shortlist, it was just so exciting. And we we just hoped and prayed and, and crossed our fingers and toes until we got the final information. And of course, they don't give us anything ahead of time, no sneaky info at all. They're very tight lipped, which is, of course, the right thing. But we were on pins and needles until we found out she was on the team. And it it actually was, you know, all happened pretty quick, it felt like. Um, and then all of a sudden, a lot of organizing and planning and packing, so much packing. And getting everybody safely to Aachen was a big undertaking for everybody. And Kate has had. She ended up um, moving on to, a you know, another job after. But she had a wonderful groom that helped. And she helped set everything up and pack everything and and kind of got everything going and making sure Sally traveled well and was well received on the other side. There's just so much stress in that way, except Sally's a really good traveler. So it wasn't so bad. Uh, Getting to Aachen was really exciting for me because I've gone as a spectator, you know, in stands and with all the crowds and to be able to be behind the scenes. And yes, it wasn't during a, a competition as I had gone before, but seeing the stables and, and kind of being behind the scenes was really, really fun for me personally and getting to see all of the other countries move in and, and kind of prep with their horses was really fun. You could see the camaraderie already beginning there before we got to Tokyo. It was cold though. (laughs) So that was, that was a change. We had all been in Florida and a bit prepping for the warmth of Tokyo. So I'm not sure if it was great or if it was maybe not so good to be in the cold for a few days before we went to back to the heat of Tokyo. Um, 
I don't handle cold well, so <laughs> it was cold <laughs> for me. <laughs> fair enough. Fair person. enough. Well, yeah. some of, some of us are forced to in our in our northern yeah. living situation. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I've heard. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, like I know the team, you know, and, and, and all the people around it, like sort of try to prepare riders and coaches and the, and, and the whole thing, you know, but I want to, I want to know, like, perhaps there's an experience or something that you in a good way, or maybe a negative way in which you were not prepared for in, in going to Tokyo. What, what, what kind of surprised you? I guess I had a pretty open mind because I didn't know what to expect. I think the the biggest thing was something that nobody could control. And that was COVID. Um, we had to really a- appreciate and respect the fact that the Japanese people invited us in, even though we were bringing in, you know, potential risk for their, for their people. And that was hard because, you know, we, we wanted to not have a negative impact and, we also really wanted to get to see the beautiful country and it was absolutely forbidden understandably. And so that was a real bummer. We had been warned, but it didn't really hit me until we were flying in and I was looking out the airplane window and realizing I, I wouldn't see any of it. Um, but it was what we signed up for. So I was ready. I was sad, but I was ready. Um, I even have a brother, a half brother that lives there and he happened to get married while I was there and I couldn't see him. So that was hard. It's, oh no, it's just, that's... it is what it is. And we weren't there for that, you know, and it's, it's strict quarantine while you're in Tokyo and, and we all understood it going in. So that was personally very hard, but, you know, for getting the opportunity to be at the games and, and participate, it was a hundred percent worth it. Um, one of the things I really didn't know about or understand was uh, the incredible amount of coordination and work that goes into making it happen, you know, even more so with the para group, maybe than the able-bodied because they all have, a lot of them have wheelchairs and power chairs and it's a lot of stuff to coordinate. And a lot of people are really working around the clock, truly working around the clock connected with our, our team. And I would have not known that until I was in that situation. So I was, I was extremely impressed. Um, USCF is amazing and what they did to make it happen for us, you know, is incredible. And I had not been on a team as a rider and obviously not as a coach either. So this was my first foray into it. And I was in awe to be honest. And it's, everybody just works, works their tails off. The team coach, um, Michelle was fantastic. I had, that was another surprise really getting to spend more time with um, the staff and with the people kind of that make things happen uh, was really neat. Uh, I enjoyed that. And also the other three coaches, I got to become more close friends with them and they're all fantastic, the personal coaches. And so we had a really, really good time. So that was good. That was an unexpected positive. That's fantastic. And what was it like to see Kate and the other U.S. riders go down the center line? Once you got there, well, I know, tried, finally, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I'm really, really as, as a coach, I get to be really confident in Kate and Solly. They're such a solid partnership in Kate's a really dynamic, as I said, a really dynamic and knowledgeable rider. So I actually have learned to relax when I watch her ride 
And as a coach, I'm normally on pins and needles watching my horse, you know, horses and riders go. So that was a real joy for me, knowing that we had put everything we could into it and there was nothing more that could be done. And, and she really pulled it out and it was amazing. Um, watching some of the other riders, I, of course, almost always sob when I watch Roxy ride. Um, mm-hmm. She just moves me. It's amazing. And knowing more about uh, Bea's story and everything that she'd overcome to get to that point was amazing. And I got to stand ringside for her ride, which was really cool because you get to have spotters for the grade two. And that was really fun. So I felt like I was really in the action, uh, in on the action. And then um, Becca is so knowledgeable. She's been to so many games and had so many events under her belt. So it was fun to get to hear from her, you know, some of the ins and outs and, and she, she was just there for us. Some of us that hadn't been there before, you know, little things to do, which is great. So it was really fun. It was a very supportive group all the way around. Wow. What an experience. So what would be kind of the final takeaway that you got by going to the Olympic games? If you, you were to talk to another para rider or any rider, actually just wanting to get to that stage, what would you, what would your advice be? No, that's such a great question. Probably to persevere and not let stress get you down. It's really easy to get swayed by things that can and will go wrong. Equipment not arriving, a horse having an off day, they're not feeling well or they pull a shoe or whatever it is that that you don't let it crush you and you keep going. And there's so many things behind the scenes that are imperfect that happen and we don't see them. We see when we're watching the live streams or we're watching the riders in the arena, we don't see all of that. And we assume it's all so easy and perfect and, and great for them. And I now can really truly personally say that it is not that easy and things can and will go wrong every step of the way. And the riders that can roll with it and can keep going and keep their head on their shoulders will persevere. And I really think that's how they pulled off that, that historic bronze medal because they just, all four of them just kept it together when everyone was exhausted or overheated or tired. And, and the, the will to succeed was above all of that. And, and that's, I think what happens when, when you get to the end of three long weeks of competing, preparing and competing, that you just have to have that stamina and that mindset. And it was amazing to watch and really, truly, they picked the right people for that team. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Well, Lugo, this is such a cool interview. And if anybody has any questions for you, how can they find you online? I think the easiest way would to be through personal messenger on Facebook and just spell out my name, L-E-H-U-A-C-U-S-T-E-R and direct message me. And you could also email me the same spelling at gmail.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Well, Phil, today we were really working on saddle fit and bit fit and, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a busy day here at the farm. Kind of, you did the same thing last week. It was our time this week. Um, and, and it's so helpful, but it came up today with, we're fitting a gypsy vanner actually. So, you know, not necessarily the body style, great mind, not necessarily the body style of a dressage athlete. Um, uh, but it came up because his saddle shifts 
significantly. And we already use a total saddle fit girth on him, but the neoprene liner came up and I hadn't thought about that for helping the saddle not shift left and right. And that is one of the things that I love about the total saddle fit girth is that there's so many options, which is really cool. So um, we're going to switch him to the neoprene liner, which is not expensive. It's uh, very reasonable and holds up great. So we're really excited to have that come. And uh, I wanted to share that with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's perfect. The the different options is, is something that I really appreciate about the, uh, the total saddle fit girths, you know. Um, we're actually, I'm just in the process of changing over the, the summer neoprene ones for the, for the guys that wear it into the winter fluffy ones, the, the wool lined ones, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, when, once we clip, I think it's important to, you know, to think about the horse's comfort and their, and their skin and, and all of that stuff. So, um, but again, like you don't have to go out and buy a whole new girth. You're just, you know, they're Velcro. So you just rip, you know, take, yeah. take take the liner, you know, this liner, it doesn't work. Okay. We're going to just put on this liner and, and off you go. I mean, it's, it's really, um, it's really a great way to customize what you need for each horse, um, you know, in their, in their girths. So yeah, we love it. We love all the products from total saddle fit. You can find them at totalsaddlefit.com. They'll take very good care of you. And, and, uh, the products all come with a 90 day money back guarantee. So you can't lose. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for tonight's Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we have Fee Anderson, FEI rider and trainer on the show. And Fee, we are talking about no stirrup November. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, so this is this is actually a pretty hot topic because it is November, and um, yeah, a lot of people. This is a thing, right? And and so, give us your tips on no stirrup November because we were just chatting before we got on on the air, and there's a lot of good to this, but there is some bad to this. So it's important to talk about. Absolutely agreed. Um, so I always, I have to say, I cringe a little bit when I see all the posts online about everybody dropping the stirrups for the month of November. I, I feel for the poor horses that have to endure that. Um, I would much rather see people dropping the stirrups five minutes in a lesson while they're feeling supple and strong in their bodies and they can hold themselves and swing their hips out of the way so they don't end up rattling around on the horse's backs um, or squeezing with their thighs, which is also quite uncomfortable for the horses. So I always I always get a little sad when people bear down and do the whole month of November no stirrups. I'm sure that the horses would like some pimp for massages or chiropractic workup afterwards. I think it's a little too much. All the above, probably. Yeah, I think probably. it's I think it's about it's about uh, improving your riding within within a context. So, you know, uh, and and you know how how your horse is feeling about it. So. You know, just just dropping your stirrups arbitrarily, you know, for the month of November probably isn't a great thing. You know, I might prefer, I don't know, get yourself a, a lesson on the lunge line November or, you know, um, ride, ride a different horse November. You know, like there's a lot of ways to improve your riding. And if if you're not prepared to, uh, you know, drop your, you know, take away your, your stirrups for 
you know, for a whole month and, and for 45 minutes worth of riding, I don't, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's out of context. It's not, it's not correct. Right. So just, just feel for your horse a little bit and feel for, you know, like do it in, in small sections, perhaps do it for five minutes in trot or five minutes in canter and, and, you know, make a more individualized plan for, for your riding and for your horse and, and, um, talk to your trainer for sure. You know, as three trainers on here, we're like, uh, you know, we, we can certainly think of, of students where, you know, no stir up November could be appropriate, but we can also think of students, which it would, you know, um, completely not be. So yeah, individualize your program for you. Right. And I love that you bring up lunch lessons. I mean, how, how many do you get to teach? I, I have to tell my students that I think it's time it's a valuable tool and it's a, it, you create a very safe space for students to experiment with different things. And that could also be leaving the stirrups for part of the ride and get them stronger in their course and get a better feel of the horse's back moving underneath them. I don't think that is a tool that's utilized enough, generally speaking. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think, uh, again, you have three professional riders. There are some horses, you know, I, I'm pretty fit riding wise. And I mean, there's some horses that I'm not going to come out and just drop my stirrups on for the month of November, you know, like it is getting cold and it is not necessarily the best idea on some horses. Now, some horses I think can, can be okay. And then other horses, you know, it's just not possible. Or, um, if you have an injury, it's okay to not do no stirrup November. Right. Um, I think, it, you know, there's some peer pressure, I'm sure, that's going on. Um, but it's also okay to say, you know what? It's just not 100% what I need to do this year. And that's okay. Or, you know what? I'm going to do five minutes um, every day or, or something like that. But I think it's pretty ambitious. Uh, and again, we love goals. Don't get us wrong. Um, but to just say, okay, it's November. I'm going to drop my stirrups and just put them in the tack room um, for your poor horse. That's that's a lot. So I think I think we're all in agreement that that's maybe not a, the best thing that you could do. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe, maybe go for quality over quantity, maybe five minutes of really good sitting trot without the stirrups or a nice supple canter without the stirrups and then put them back on. Yeah. I love that. A little moderation, not necessarily the worst thing. No, I think right? that that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and like we said, you know, if, if your horse is not appropriate for a lunge lesson, where, you know, where I think you have to kind of put some side reins on and, and, and experiment with, like you said, with different things, but also be able to let go of the, of the reins, then, then search out, talk to your coach, or, you know, maybe there's a lesson barn or, or somebody can lend you a horse to do, to do that. Because I think that's way more uh, beneficial to, to get some lunch lessons where, you know, maybe you can take the stirrups off um, and it'd be more safe than, than, or, and more appropriate to be doing than on, than on your own horse or, or the horse that you normally lessen on. So, um, you know, be creative and, and, and talk to your coach and see w- what would be appropriate for you. Definitely. We, I mean, we're all in this for the horses and to, to have a good time with them and enjoy ourselves. So we should remember to do that during no stirrup November too. I love it. Well, Fee, thank you so much for your tip this week. And how can our listeners find you online? 
They can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. They can find me, find me under the handle Equito Dressage. And Equito is spelled E-Q-U-I-T-O. Fantastic. Well, Phil, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Uh, we've got several this week that were just really sweet and we enjoy always reading them. And we want to remind everybody because soon uh, we are going to do the book review for Horse Plus Rider Equals One, How to Achieve the Fluid Dialogue that Leads to Harmonious Performance by Eckhart Miners. And you can get it at horseandriderbooks.com. Uh, and it's a great book. Phil and I have both been reading and chatting about it already. And it's got great exercises, uh, 60 exercises, in fact. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably on Facebook and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, Horse Report System, and totalsaddlefit.com. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back. Safe travels if you're coming here to Lexington. I hope to see you at U.S. Finals, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. 